Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Indeed it is. Welcome and welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score this very ra- this very radio station and this very invitation to you. Wednesday, July 20th, SCORE will celebrate, will hold, will stage its 30th anniversary party. All of our shows will be broadcasting live from real-time sports in Elk Grove Village. The all-day event will be a great celebration with listeners, current and former teammates, clients, hopefully all of you. All of you fans, scores 30th anniversary live broadcast. That's July 20th at Real Time Sports in Elk Grove Village. And that's open to all of yous. So we're going to take a a trip to South Bend right now because we wonder what they're going to do. They could be the loneliest team, the only team. Are they just them and their network? Are they going to sit this one out? What's going to happen? As two leagues gobble up, they gobble up college sports, college football, basically. It's like they're paying, playing Pac-Man with every other conference getting chewed up. The Big Ten here, the SEC here, the SEC there, the Big Ten here. To try to help us make sense of this nonsense, we welcome to the show, back to the show, Pete Futek. He's a publisher of College Football News, and Pete is brought to you on our guest line, Guests on the Score. On the Score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Pete, does this make sense, or is this the inevitable? What? Tell us about this before we get to Notre Dame, the SEC and the Big, and the Big Ten just sort of picking teams, really. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I actually equate it more towards like monopoly, where you're, they're just acquiring property. They're just going around the board, okay. and just, you know, taking whatever they can, hoping to build lots of hotels on it, literally, uh, when it comes to the, what they want to do with uh, all these different schools. And, yeah, it makes sense. And, and the thing to keep remembering is the, the, all the gloom and doomsayers who are saying, you know, look, it's, uh, we're only going to have two power conferences now. It's only going to be one thing. Well, what do you think we got now? I mean, right now, it's business-wise and competitive-wise, it's all outside of the maybe the, the occasional outlier of a Clemson here or there. It is all Big Ten, all SEC. I mean, at least in the NFL draft every year, it's like 43% those two schools. We already know it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, 
a random SEC team and then Lamb for the Slaughter number four team in the college football playoff. So we already kind of are there. It's just a question of how much more money these co- and how much bigger these conferences can potentially be. Pete Futek is my guest. He is uh, from the publisher of collegefootballnews.com. He's been a regular on these airwaves and trying to explain the way they go. It it would be we know the college sports is is a shamateur existence. We know it's a fraud. They if they were to break away from the NCAA, and right now I compared the NCAA earlier to the, the Black Knight in Monty Python's Holy Grail. It's just a flesh wound. And meanwhile, the Black Knight ends up quadriplegic. There's nothing left. And there's nothing left of the NCAA worth having as far as revenue is concerned. So do they finally admit they're a professional endeavor and forget the cupcake schools? And do they start having... Do they start having longer seasons, longer conference seasons, stretch the season longer, deeper? What can you see happening to recoup, to make more money off this? Because it's not just the two conferences, but their media partners are making a massive investment and have a lot of dollar signs clicking around in their heads, too. Of course, and a whole slew of things to unpack with all of that, and that, yes, It's obviously all about the dollar side. And remember, when it comes to expansion, it's not just about sports. So this whole idea to go to the SEC, where it might still happen, but this whole idea that, oh, the SEC is just going to pick up Clemson and South Carolina and and, uh, Miami and Florida State. Well, there's no real reason to. Because remember, they already have the South Carolina market. They already have the Florida market. They don't really want that. Look what the, the, the Big Ten is doing. They're making, they, of course, they want USC and UCLA because they're, like, big and awesome and absolutely make the conference better. But now they're coast to coast. Now they can honestly say whatever it is that Rutgers brings to the table from the New York, they can honestly say we got New York, Chicago, L.A., and just about everywhere in between. We've got, we've got the Milwaukee market, the Minneapolis market, uh, Indianapolis, Detroit, you know, they've got the, the big giant market. And so it's all about the money part about this when it comes to just the business side. It's not just on the sports. Like, think of it this way. If you're in L.A. and whatever cable service provider you have or whatever, however you're watching TV, you're paying about $0.10 cents a month right now to have the Big Ten Network. You're about to pay a dollar fifty a month to have the Big Ten Network after they pick up UCLA and USC. That's where the expansion of this thing all goes. The actual sports side of this thing works itself out. We're all going to watch when the ball is kicked off and whatever. We're not going to care. But it's just going to be different. So the, the real killer in all this is not just about the big media rights deals overall, like, okay, Fox or ESPN is going to run the show, of course. It's going to be that Thursday night UCLA-Purdue game on the Big Ten Network. You know, it's going to be those sorts of moments that really sort of uh, crank it up for all these things. Because now we're going to live in a world where it is going to be about streaming. We live in a world where the NFL is going to be on Amazon Prime. Well, if you're the Big Ten Network and the SEC Network, that's where your money comes in. Well, this is going to sound... Pete Futek is my guest, publisher of College Football News. You'd find it at collegefootballnews.com. So this is just... This is the sports version of whatever you know, Hulu, Amazon Prime, 
Netflix, whatever streaming options you want, you're going to have to pay all a cart on whatever you're, if it's on your carrier, you're paying more. If it's not on your carrier, you'll have the a la carte option. Isn't that what sports is looking at? Just like the, the entertainment channels? It's kind of one of those things like taxes where everyone says, oh, my taxes. And you have, no one has any idea where the ta- those places their tax dollars go. It's kind of like when it comes to your cable bill, if you really knew how much money you were paying for, you know, HGTV or the Smithsonian <laughs> Channel or ESPN, like you know, when you really break it down, your, prox- your, your cable bill is pretty much all about ESPN. That's really what you're paying for. And I, if you're in my household, my outside of me, my family would balk if they actually knew that. But and that's what it is. It, it is a la carte. And it, it is, again, just kind of it's about the media market. It's about how you acquire fan bases. How can you sell uh, a national base? That's why I uh, take this one step forward. If you're the Big Ten, okay, yeah, Oregon and Washington make sense. They get the footprint bigger. They want the, the that part of the market. They want that part of the and the other element that doesn't get talked about here, and which is why I, I'm not buying into the idea that these, some of these Pac-12 schools are automatically going to jump to the Big 12, are the academics. Remember what the Big Ten is looking at here. They want the University you know, of you know, Maryland or of Nebraska. or They want the big giant schools in the state. And they also want the schools that make sense academically. Automatically, UCLA, I, I know as I'm walking around here, my kid – just applied there. They had 150,000 applicants this year for UCLA. It is automatically the second best academic institution in the Big Ten behind Northwestern. USC right there with Michigan, with Wisconsin. It fits right into what they want. They're not going to go after the you know the Iowa States of the world or just the you know the random you know schools just to get schools and acquire properties. They want the big guys in this mix, and that's what made this so huge is that after Oklahoma and Texas went off to the SEC, which I'm still not buying they're actually going to do, but okay, so they're there. What's the next move? There weren't a lot of big schools out there just to go grab, and they nailed two monsters in USC and UCLA. It makes huge sense for both sides. So wither Notre Dame, what happens now? Notre Dame and their NBC contract, what happens to that in the independent status? I don't, you know, this is so, because in a whole lot of ways, it makes sense for them to stay at home and do what they're doing. As long as the ACC is going to be okay with their little friends with benefits deal, then they (laughs) might just do that. It's, if you're the ACC though, and you're worried, at some point, either ESPN or some really smart lawyer is going to figure out how to get the ACC out of these, their awful teams out of their awful grant of rights deal. Because as is, if you're a, you know, the, the, the school that everyone really wants is North Carolina because that fits all, that checks every single possible box in terms of academics, uh, market share, everything else. But all the ACC teams are locked into this really bad deal until something like 2038. And if you were to say, hey, we're going to go get North Carolina right now, you got to pay off all those that football revenue uh, up until then. So it's really crazy how uh, that is set up. So if you're the ACC and you're worried about losing teams because the second that someone can figure this out, they're gone, then you say to Notre Dame, hey, let's put a ring on it. Let's go. This was fun in 2020. You made the ACC championship. You know, you fit our academic profile with the Dukes and North Carolinas of the world. This this works. This works. And you're not going to have to beat your head against the wall and get, you know, crushed by Ohio State every year. You're not going to have to deal with the SEC and all that brings. There are so many different parts to that. And then, 
the Big Ten, the problem with that kind of marriage is they're not going to give anything extra to Notre Dame to join the conference. And if they did, Ohio State's going to say, hey, wait a minute here. We're, we want that deal. We want our own deal if you're going to give whatever that is uh, to Notre Dame. And not to school shame here, but you know, if you're Notre Dame, you don't want to say, hey, we don't want to do what, do what happened to Penn State and Nebraska and be these monster college football programs and then just kind of get thrown in the bucket along with all these other great college football programs. So I, I'm, I'm not so sure that this works out between the Big Ten and Notre Dame quite so easily. Then what is the Big Ten, um, two divisions, what do, they, what do they look like? What does the schedule look like? I would be shocked if they're – it's quieted down, but as we know, the Big Ten just kind of you know, hangs around for a while and then they pounce. I would be shocked if they don't get Oregon and Washington. Or I think the underappreciated one would be if they're really going after markets, Arizona, Arizona State. They, you're, now you've got – Phoenix is the sixth-ish biggest market in the country. Uh, Arizona is the University of Arizona. Obviously, basketball plays a huge role there, too. Uh, I would be shocked if they didn't go get two more Pac-12 schools only – to kind of match up a little bit with USC and UCLA. I'm not I'm just concerned about the whole travel thing as everyone else makes it out to be. I don't think you're going to see a lot of USC Rutgers games, but it's, it's a pretty easy, you know, four hour flight from Chicago to LA. You know, that's not that bad. So I think that's not going to be, a, I think you're going to see the divisions kind of be the Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, maybe Chicago, or the Chicago schools, their area schools in Northwestern and Illinois to a certain extent. Just because they're a little bit geographically better, but again, I would not—I would be stunned if there aren't two other schools somewhere in the mix here uh, that would make sense just to to kind of match like a, a four-team side of things where you're going to make that West Coast swing at some point. Well, if you're, if you're the more schools you add, the more rivalries you add, and the more demands that each school says, "Well, we want to—you know—SC and UCLA have to play, just like Illinois and Northwestern have to play, and and Minnesota and Wisconsin have to play," and you. Those are all the demands. So now you're Arizona, Arizona slate. We have to play them. But our our audience really knows. Our fans know. Our, our fan bases know. They're willing to pay for US, USC and UCLA. We really like beating them. And then suddenly you're you've, you've hijacked a schedule that at last let's say nine games. So that's why I wondered what your divisions would look like. But what would your schedule look like? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be harder and weirder for basketball than it is for football because basketball you have so many more games, so much more travel, weeknight games, all that that entails. Football will just kind of work itself out. You know, you you, you have a game a week, you just go out there, you do your thing. But uh, yeah, in terms of rivalries, I you're never going to get rid of the Michigan Ohio State rivalry, even though they did that for a little while when they had the whole meters and legends thing uh, yeah. that they tried out to do. So I don't think you're going to get rid of the the, the regular rivalries. And, and where you went with this at the, the very start is where I do think this is all going. And the positive to kind of for the, all the other schools involved is I think it starts with a co- expanded college football playoff, which is an absolute must. Because it's if you're going to do this, if you're the Big Ten and you're the SEC, you're going to want more showcase giant games uh, for the playoff. Without diluting this, without making this a total gimmick like the NCAA tournament is for basketball, if the 12-team model they proposed last year would absolutely work. If you said, okay, whatever, however the other Power Five schools, whatever we got left for a Pac-12 or a Big 12 or an ACC, you still get an automatic bid into a 12-team playoff. 
And then with the group of five, which is going to be totally gutted, you throw them a cookie and say, we're going to take the top-ranked team of them uh, out of this group so we can like say you have your shot, one shining moment shot. And then it's going to be all Big Ten and SEC teams from there pretty much. So if you do that, then what you do is to your conference schedules, you actually expand the conference schedules and almost make it seem a little more like a, the Champions League for, in European soccer where – all of a sudden, maybe you do have like the fourth best team in the SEC, you know, get in and, and make a run. Uh, I wouldn't say that was the best thing in the world, but it would actually work out because then, in terms of divisions, in terms of football schedules, then it puts a more more of an emphasis on the conference schedules, and then maybe they expand the conference schedules that much more because at the end of the day, the Big Ten Network would much rather have you know USC playing Illinois than would ha- want to have like televised USC playing, you know, Cal Poly or something like that. Right. No more Appalachian states. That happens once every 35 years or whatever it is. We're not, we're not scheduling that. Hey, Pete, I thank you for your time. Thanks for taking time out. Thanks, Pat. Pete. Pete Futek, collegefootballnews.com. He's the publisher of that. Take a break. When we come back, the Cubs, they got an all-star and then a free agent told the truth. The truth the Cubs aren't willing to tell. So we'll get back to that after this. Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Indeed, welcome and welcome back. Take up to 2 o'clock tonight. The Cubs will play the Doyers in Los Angeles. The Doyers uh, beat the Cubs last night. And the well, Keegan Thompson... Remember, about a month ago, Mark Gonzalez was a guest on these very airwaves on our show on Saturday Suckage. He is a deluxe baseball guest. And I said, so this blathering that Jed does about the next great Cubs team, building the next great Cubs team, putting together the next great Cubs team. So of the stuff and tripe and whatever we're watching now, whoever are watching now which of those players will be on that next great Cubs team and his first the first name out of his out of Gonzo's mouth was Keegan Thompson Keegan Thompson looked good last night Cubs lost have an all-star Wilson Contreras I wonder if he'll go to the all-star game as a Cub or be traded before that he was asked about his being an all-star representing the Cubs uncertain future quote I would love nothing more than to play for the Chicago Cubs the rest of my life and obviously those kinds of things are out of my control but I'm really excited and proud I don't see myself going anywhere else but this is business yes Sonny it's just business it's not personal and we were talking about James Kahn Sonny Corleone and I, I have to say a texture because I don't want to forget this. Stuff might come in. 312-644-6767 is our text line. 312 texture. Don't forget James Kahn was Jonathan E. in Rollerball. You know what? I did forget. You reminded me. I love that movie. He was Moon Pie. Swoop him. Moon Pie. Swoop him. So anyways, Wilson Contreras, whatever they get from him, they're set up him, whoever... I guess the Cubs are rooting for an injury to somebody else's catcher in the meantime, some contender's catcher. And then they'll make that deal. They'll get rid of him the way they got rid of all your other heroes. This will be particularly crushing for my diva. She had to deal with the the 
vivisection of her Cubs heroes last year. And one of her two secret boyfriends, Javi, was traded, and now he's a Detroit Tiger, waving the White Sox fans to rain down booze on him. And her other secret boyfriend is the aforementioned Wilson Contreras. So my diva and her paramour are going to the Cubs-Doyers game tomorrow, and I, she said she'll cry. She'll cry for Willie and... And I, I said, cry. He'll know you're crying for him. He will try to redeem those tears in some way. And so they're going to trade him and build their next great Cubs team. So you have an all-star catcher you can't wait to get rid of, and you're going to build your next great Cubs team. So that's really interesting because <clears throat> the money they spent on the offseason is a starter who can't stay healthy and wasn't that good, and Stroman. And a right fielder who got hurt, and he got off when nobody got off in the first month when nobody knew who he was, and they figured him out. And he was, and Suzuki was headed the way of Kosuke uh, Fukudomi. And I still wouldn't be surprised if he does that again. He comes back from an injury, and he's looking great. He's looking, oh my God, here he is. He's going to do this, and the legal figure him out, and he won't adjust. I think we got a really good chance to see that. So. The Cubs would like you to believe that this rebuild, well, they can't even call it a rebuild, but this rebuild won't take long. And they won't call it a rebuild, and yet at least somebody talked about it being a rebuild. Carlos Correa, he was in town. He's the one who signed a free agent contract with the Minnesota Twins. He got a deal of three years in length max, maybe only one year. He can get out of it. And naturally, when he came to the South Side, he was asked about the Cubs, the Cubs offer, the Cubs pursuit. Here's what he had to say. We had conversations pre-logout, but never never anything serious. Um, and there was never an offer. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's all it was. A um, couple phone calls here and there, but it never got to that, you know, to that point where where there was an offer, you know, they they gave they, they told us that, you know, they wanted us there. So the Cubs saying they were, I, I mean, I, like, <clears throat> however the Cubs said, whatever they said, whatever you want to believe, what, what does Carlos Correa believe? And, and he believes that the Cubs are rebuilding and, Ultimately, if you're not getting an offer and then you look at the team and go, I don't want anything to do with them because they're rebuilding. So Carlos Correa was able to assess the situation more accurately than Jed Hoyer was trying to make you, the Cub fan, believe. He refused to use the R word, refused to admit, admit it's a rebuild. And <clears throat> whether you want to call it a complete teardown or not, Part of what's getting torn down here is his credibility. The the Cubs had a lot of credibility when Theo was here. And that's because Theo said, he told Tom Ricketts, I work for you, I don't work for Crane County, I don't work for the business office. I work for you, I answer to you, I make decisions, and then I tell you about them. I make baseball decisions. I think... The use of the word rebuild reflects a 
a shield reflects a maybe maybe a door is about a door or a window into the workings currently of Judd's credibility and the balance of power in the club's office. Because there's a lot riding on the words that are used because those attract fans, ticket buyers. I mean, there's tickets, there's rooftops, there's marquee network, those subscriptions, which Jed Hoyer shouldn't care about. But given the fact, his reluctance to use rebuilt, when they used it freely before, there was a certain, there was a refreshing honesty, a transparency about what the Cubs were going to do. And nobody thinks Jed and the baseball side is being transparent. Well, I don't anyways. I think Jed has been, he doesn't have, <clears throat> perhaps doesn't have Theo's gravitas. Perhaps he doesn't have Theo's ammunition, Theo's standing. Because that was Theo. Theo was the guy they went after. Theo brought in Jed. But Theo was the guy who went after. Theo's the guy who said, I do this. I do it this way. You're who I talk to, Tom Ricketts. Not him. Keep him away. I'm making baseball decisions. And I don't think Jed's making baseball decisions based on baseball necessarily. I think taking into consideration cable subscriptions or channel subscriptions, rooftops, ticket sales, couching things the way he does. This just sounds like sounds like he's been co-opted. Maybe that's part of keeping your job. I don't know, but it's not it doesn't ring with the credibility and clarity that Theo and Jed had the first time around when they told you what was going to happen. And then it kind of seems when they won't use the word rebuild we clearly look at it. I mean, what are they doing? What's what's here? And then they're going to trade an all-star catcher for five years down the road? Well, why isn't that a rebuild? What are you going to get for an all-star catcher? What are you going to get for an all-star catcher? Are you going to get eight teams? If you get an organization's best pitching prospect, that's excellent work. Excellent, excellent. If you can do that, that's excellent. So it, I, I assume... I haven't gone back to look, but Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez were the top positional prospect and pitching prospect for the Cubs, and the Cubs who wanted to, wanted that needed that starting pitcher, and the key was Jose Quintana, and the only thing they could do was give up Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez, and that's, if Jed finds that opportunity, as much as I love Wilson Contreras, love the emotion, love what he brings, love the passion with which he plays and the production, that he gives you, I'd rather have a pitcher. Are you going to get a top of the rotation pitcher for him, or top of the rotation prospect for him? Yeah, I'll do that. But to not consider this a, a rebuild, and maybe it hinges on what they do with Contreras. Maybe they'll have to come out and admit it, but it reminds me of, you know, this whole thing sounds rather Orwellian that Jed Hoyer is telling you it's not a rebuild. It sounds like 1984, the book 1984 by George Orwell. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. But I, I, I don't think any Cub fans can tell. This is not. This this doesn't sound like what happened before, 
and it doesn't seem to be moving with the same, they're, they're, they're not as transparent. You can't see this the way it is. I can't anyways. Maybe other people have, have better vision. I got vision, kid, and the rest of the world wears bifocals, as Butch Cassidy said. So, speaking of movies, it's been a tough time for mob guys. We'll talk about that and more before we finish this epic Saturday suckage. I'm Rosenblum. I suck so you don't have to. You can tell, right? I'm here for you. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That doesn't suck. 18 years ago today, the legend of Ron Burgundy, Anchorman, debuted. Will Ferrell, Christine Applegate, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, David Koechner. That was just, it was, it was classic stuff, right, Caesar? What else you got for us, Caesar? Boy, that escalated quickly. Yes, there we go. Make sure you got that quote right. And then there's this. Mm. Drink it in. It always goes down smooth. Scotchy, scotchy, scotch. Right, Caesar? Right, Caesar Perez? I am hungover. And the, the one of the, in a previous life, part of a radio segment, Steve Carell. <laughs> Just yelling and screaming, I don't know what we're screaming about. I don't know what we're yelling about. Yelling about, I'm sorry, yeah, but it was all about yelling. And um, I, the the lines, the scenes, the 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 currency of the of the the conversation that we use today, I'm kind of a big deal. It's great. It was it was just it 18 years ago, Anchorman came out, and so Caesar, 18 years ago. What does Anchorman mean in your cultural zeitgeist? I went to the movie theater to see Anchorman the weekend it came out. I've always been a big Will Ferrell guy, so I, I was all over that for sure. Okay. How old were you? 18 uh, years ago. So that's math, half of what I am right now. I would have been 18 or 19. Uh, see, that's right, mm-hmm. in, right in your wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, uh, okay. In my age group, it is definitely a... Uh, what do we a uh, pop culture hit for sure for sure yeah i was my um my uh offspring my progeny the spawn with i know about i always fear father's day because the on the surprise anonymous knock on the door but so far that hasn't happened but that's that and with with brandon it's it's really it's it's anchorman he was it's Ron burgundy and the one thing that doesn't we can't really play the whole thing on the radio but the the sex panther scene Paul Rudd's sex panther scene <laughs> and it, how horrible it smells and studies have shown that 60% of the time it works every time that's the best math that, oh. that, that's got to be the best line of the movie uh, the, the old math that works <laughs> out right there 60% of the time that's it works like 100% they had, of the time yeah like they had Yogi Berra write the whole thing right so um that was one one movie. You know, it was a really tough time for the mob. We talked about James Caan 
earlier, and many of your texters, 312-644-6767, rightly mentioned Thief. 1981, Michael Mann, Chicago, talked about Thief. But he had such a wonderful, well-done career. It wasn't just Brian Piccolo. It wasn't just Sonny Corleone. It wasn't just Jonathan E. from Rollerball. It wasn't just Misery and being tied to the bed by Kathy <laughs> Bates. And, and it wasn't just Thief. It was... It was all of it. He was he was James Caan, and you weren't. And that just that 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 was a <clears throat> a tough loss. But now we're dealing with first Ray Liotta, Goodfellas, James Caan, Godfather, and now Polly Walnuts or The Sopranos. Tony Sirico passed away yesterday. Was seventy nine. It's just really been a t- tough run for the mob. And this story, this tweet from Carl Quintanilla of CNBC, he's my go-to for curation and tweeting all things culture. Naturally, he had something on the uh, passing of Polly Walnuts from The Sopranos. And it's this nugget from Terrence Winter, who was a writer on The Sopranos. And Terrence Winter once said, quote, the first thing Tony Sirico ever said to me literally on day one was you're the new writer let me tell you something if you ever write a script where i die first i die then you die i was like okay Polly walnuts distinctive wingtip hair it was just he was just wonderful and there was a chris Tannehill. follow him tanny is just the master of all this where there's a his favorite scene, one of the favorites, maybe his famous, his favorite Polly Walnut scene is when they're talking to Christopher and Tony, Tony finds out, you shot a dog? Yeah, yeah. And, and Polly Walnut says, what was he doing, barking? I just, it's wonderful. And Tony Sirico. So, so Steve, uh, obviously you've seen uh, the Soprano series. I have to ask you, how many times have you rewatched it? Because there's something that I find myself doing when rewatching that series that I wonder if I'm the only one who does it. I, I've watched it about three or four times now, but only the first time that I watched the series did I actually watch the last episode. The other times when I've gotten to the final episode, I, I don't watch it. I just stop watching. I say I'm done with the series. Are, am I the only one who does that? Because that final episode was so disappointing, or, or someone else do that? You're the only one in this conversation who does that. I can't speak for anybody on the text line or on the phone. Uh, I don't know. Texters, 312-644-6767. Do you stop watching? Do you, do you rewatch the series? First of all, there's a big commitment to rewatch the series. And then you you have to get through it without being sidetracked or hijacked. It's one thing I I can't I don't think I've ever rewatched it completely. I love Breaking Bad. I've never rewatched that. I've never rewatched Sopranos all the way through. I would I there's so much else I'd rather watch. That might be fresh. Although the reruns, I, if it's Godfather, I'll watch that. Godfather 2, I'll watch that. Goodfellas, I'll watch that. But I don't like the last half hour. I'm tired of that. The, the idea of not watching the final episode, because why? 
Caesar. You don't understand it. You didn't think it worked. You're angry. It went off the air. I think I what just uh, talk about your hurt feelings. Caesar. <laughs> no, I I think uh, I and, and you know it's just the honest truth. In the couple times I've rewatched the series, which I think in my head I think it's two maybe three times. Uh, I get to that final episode and I just I lose interest in watching the final episode. Maybe because I know what's coming and it's just not that exciting to me anymore. But I just I. Uh, I, I don't watch that final episode. I watch the whole series up to that final episode, then I find myself saying, okay, I'll watch it again in a couple months maybe. You know, I'll rewatch the series, but I, but I don't watch it. I just don't. I don't know. 217 Texter, I definitely do it. You pick up on subtleties you missed the first time. See, I think that's true. I've done that. That works in all movies for me, all series when, that I've rewatched. And, and I think I would because I'm, I don't know whether Tony lives, we don't see whether Tony lives or dies. It's up to us to decide that. And I would want to watch for what, what did I miss the first time? My thinking is he's got to die. There's too many, unless, you know, unless it's a circular firing squad and everybody shoots him and dies or whatever it is, I don't see how he doesn't. They're not all going to be there and they're not all going to have a grudge against Tony. And then, so I would, I would watch it to see what I missed. What did I, what I, why didn't I get this first time? What did I miss the first time? What, what is happening here that I didn't pick up on? And I think I would, that's why I would watch it. That's why I would encourage you to watch the last episode and maybe it would help. Maybe it'd be therapeutic for you and your hurt feelings, your resentment, your, your feelings of abandonment, Caesar, because the series abandoned you, right? It did abandon me. Tony left me. I, I see a text actually from a 630 number here saying that they watched it on A&E with the pro- profanity being taken out, and that just sounds like a horrible way to watch The Sopranos. Well, that's a problem. When you rewatch things like like The Sopranos, you watch rewatch Casino or Goodfellas or Godfathers 1 and 2, and they're on the... They're on the um, a&E had done this, or you watched the BBC version of it, and you can't, James James Kahn, with one of the most famous dubs ever, as long as we were talking about Sonny earlier, I mean, you can't do this without cursing. You need that language. If it bothers you, don't watch it. it the movie wasn't made for those with church-going ears. I don't know if you know the story, but they had to dub the... You remember the famous assassination scene of Salazzo and McCluskey, Caesar? Yeah, I believe. Is that the one where he gets the uh, wire wrapped around his neck? No, no, no. This is the one where at... at, They're meeting. Salazzo wants to meet. Michael's going to go meet him. And Michael Michael says, you know, we'll meet him. If Clemenza, if his men can find a way to plant a gun in the bathroom, I'll come out of there and kill them both. And that's when Sonny Corleone, that's when Mike, uh, James Kahn is laughing. And, and you hear this guy, Tom, this guy's taking it personally. College boy gets knocked around a little bit and he wants to kill a New York police captain. And he's taking it personally. And I remember Michael now. Make, Michael makes his case. And so they go to the restaurant and... Son, and in the planning of that, because uh, they 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 were going to put it under the water, the, the the pull chain box, and Sonny says something I can't say on the radio, but it is dubbed over because they 
chose not to say it on TV. I don't want walk, I don't want my brother walking out of the out of the bathroom with a stick in his hand. And that's the kind of stuff they were dubbing. You cannot watch it. You cannot watch it. See, I'm not the only one who does this, by the way. Uh, We have a texter, a 217, that says they have watched the whole MASH show multiple times, and they've only watched the final MASH once. Well, the difference is that that's really soppy and sweet, and you worry about you're getting diabetes from it. Everybody is, you know, I'm going off here, I'm going off there, I'm going to do that. I think this is different because there there was no mystery what they were doing. There was a mystery in what was going to happen to Tony. Where's it? Where's it going? Does he live? Does he die? You're not going to tell us. You're not. Yeah, I, and it rages to this day. Another texture. Uh, another texture from seven seven three says that he feels Tony died because it faded to black and it did not fade to white. What are your thoughts on that? It's, they all fade to black. Read every movie script you've ever seen. It's either fade out or fade to black, but fade out is always black. And fading to white, he would have. He would have died too, because then you would have seen the white light, walked towards the white light, and you would have gone to heaven. Although it's unlikely Tony would have gone to heaven. I don't get that. I'm sorry. It's fade to black. I don't know what color has to do with The color of the fade has to do with that. Okay. The, um, to another more stuff and crap and things that I have. Uh, Miko Rantanen of the of the Avalanche. They won the Stanley Cup, and the some of the things you hear players say, fruit and crap. During <clears throat> Brent Seabrook famously talked about winning on the way to winning a Stanley Cup. They won a three overtime game. What do you eat? There, fruit and crap. That's what we eat. Fruit and crap. Miko Rantanen was talking about. <clears throat> What will help? What helped the team? What would help the team heading into the finals? And then it did. And he said, "Quote: I think it's physics that when you get rest, you're rested." And I, I it sounds like Scientific American to me. If you Cameron, Cameron Crutwig fans out there, this this happened. Loyola legend tweeted this recently, and I'm so with him. <clears throat> if you were in the far left lane on I-90. You need to be flirting with 90 miles an hour minimum. I don't make the rules. I just follow them. What do you think, Caesar? You in on that? You got to be going 90 in the left lane and an I-90 on the Kennedy, or you got to get out. Is that the way it works? Uh, in certain circumstances, obviously, you can't always be going 90, but uh, in circumstances, certain circumstances, you know, at I, I, I hate the, uh, it seems like a lot of times those people go slow the left lane is because they don't know where they're at and they got to figure out what they're doing. So if you're confused on a road, you should not be in the left lane. I know that. Correct. People don't know. People are so confused. They don't know whether they are confused and that's the problem. And then people are driving by them, which there's a great Simpsons, uh, not Simpsons. It was the uh, Rugrats. There's a great cut from the Rugrats of Grandpa in the one of the left lanes driving very slowly, like grandpas tend to do, and people driving by going, hey, get off the road, grandpa. Hey, grandpa, get off the road. Grandpa, get out of that lane. Grandpa, come on, what are you doing? And the rugrats are marveling over, God, everybody knows grandpa. <laughs> All right, this came out 
this week. This is from, or today, actually. Uh, Golf Week, Stephen DiMeglio. The RNA said no way to Greg Norman. The ruler of the game's rules of golf outside the United States and Mexico, who also staged the Open Championship, announced Saturday that it had reached out to Norman to tell him he was not invited to play in the Celebration of Champions on Monday. I'm just saying, this is, we call it the British Open, they just call it the Open Championship. Norman, a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, won the Open Championship in 1986 at Turnbury and in 1993 at Royal St. George's. But Norman is the head of the Live Golf, the Saudi Arabia-backed rival league that has lured top stars away from, or some stars, away from the PGA Tour and DP World Tour and caused angst and golf world's world order. And this is what the RNA said. In response to inquiries regarding the RNA celebration of Champions Field and the Champions Dinner, we can confirm that we contacted Greg Norman to advise him that we decided not to invite him to attend on this occasion. The 150th Open is an extremely important milestone for golf, and we want to ensure that the focus remains on celebrating the championship and its heritage. Unfortunately, we do not believe that would be the case if George were to, if Greg were to attend. We hope that when circumstances allow, Greg will be able to attend again in the future. There's your White Sox template. Don't invite Tony LaRusso. The White Sox expected celebration of champions and parade. We can confirm that we contacted Tony LaRusso to advise him. We decided not to invite him to attend on this occasion. The 2022 baseball season is an extremely important milestone for us, and we want to ensure that the focus remains on celebrating the expected World Series championship. Unfortunately, we do not believe that it would be the case if Tony were to attend. We hope that when circumstances allow, Tony will be able to attend again in the future. There it is. The Royal and Ancient gave the Sox an answer to the Royal and Ancient manager they have. Thank you for listening. Saturday suckage. If nobody important listened, I'll be back again next Saturday. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.